You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. you get up, tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Put the Word of God throughout your house. So first step toward depravity, suppressing the truth. You don't want to hear the Word of God and your lifestyle in itself suppresses the truth. Every Christian should take special care to guard their minds, to think of good things and the things of God. When you start to think of other things, it affects your heart directly, and your actions won't show God working through you anymore. It's the start of depravity in your walk with Christ. Today, Pastor Danny's going to encourage you to keep God number one in your heart and mind, and to serve Him and follow His Word with everything that you have, so that you can enjoy the blessed life that God wants you to have. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Romans chapter 1, as he continues his message, The Path Toward Depravity. And the king of Israel asked Jehoshaphat, there's still one man through whom we can inquire of the Lord, but I hate him because he never prophesies anything good about me, but always bad. He's Micaiah, son of Imla. The king should not say that, Jehoshaphat replied. Jehoshaphat's trying to talk some sense into Ahab, but Ahab, because of his lifestyle, And if you know from the Bible anything about the lifestyle of King Ahab, immorality, wickedness, he wouldn't like to hear a prophet like Micaiah because Micaiah is going to speak the truth. And what Ahab is doing is looking to suppress the truth. He doesn't want to hear the truth. He doesn't want to hear the word of God through men like Micaiah. So they suppress the truth by staying away from anyone or any place that proclaims truth. But back in Romans, in verses 18 to 20, it says specifically, men who suppress the truth by their wickedness. So we're talking about people who who don't want to hear the word of God. They don't want to hear the truth because the truth will bring conviction, condemnation, to the way they've chosen to live. And they suppress the truth by not only staying away from the truth of the word of God, but they suppress the truth by their very lifestyle itself. I remember those years when I wasn't going to listen to Christian music. I was going to listen to the rock and roll of the day and party hardy and rock and roll all night and party all day. Interesting 2 Timothy chapter 4, 2 Timothy 
chapter 4, verse 1, Paul the Apostle tells us that in the last days, people will not put up with sound doctrine. But in order to continue to live, they want to live. They'll gather around themselves a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They'll turn away from the truth, turn aside to miss. Suppressing the truth. They suppress the truth by staying away from listening to the Word of God, and they suppress the truth by the very lifestyles that they're living. Now, before we move to the next point from Romans chapter 1, it's interesting. Romans 1 tells us, despite their suppression of the truth, they can't get away from the evidence for God. They're without excuse because God's invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature are clearly seen, being understood from what has been made. Make a note, Psalm 19. Psalm chapter 19, verse 1. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of His hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they display knowledge. There is no speech or language where their voice is not heard. Their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. So despite suppressing the truth, the witness of God is in creation itself. But if they continue on the path of suppressing the truth, second thing, back in Romans chapter 1, you find it in verse 21. And here's what we read. Although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. It's interesting the connection between the thinking and the heart. Futile thinking, I'll give it to you like this. It's incapable of producing anything useful. Futile thinking, darkened heart. That's why when we get to Romans chapter 12, Paul will write in verse 2, don't be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind with the Word of God. When we get to Romans chapter 8 and verse 5, those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. It's a mindset. You go all the way back to the record in the book of Genesis, and Genesis chapter 6, verse 5. The Lord saw how great man's wickedness on the earth had become, and that every inclination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil all the time. Futile thinking, darkened heart. That's why Paul writes in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, that we're to think about things that are pure and lovely and etc. etc. That's why Deuteronomy chapter 6. Let me read you Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 6. 
These commands that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. You're making a wise choice by sitting there with your family and watching this live stream church service. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Put the word of God throughout your house. So first step toward depravity, suppressing the truth. You don't want to hear the word of God, and your lifestyle in itself suppresses the truth. Then your thinking goes south. And because your thinking goes south, your heart is affected. Proverbs 4.23, above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Another translation says, because everything you do flows from it. Suppress the truth, futile thinking, darkened heart, third step down toward depravity. And that's back in Romans chapter 1, and we read it in verses 22 and 23. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal man and birds and animals and reptiles. They worship created things rather than the creator. Follow the trail of your time, energy, affections, and money. And there you find a throne. And whatever or whoever is on that throne is the object of your worship. Worshiping created things rather than the creator. And I'm going to move very quickly to the fourth step downward toward depravity. And this one is so interesting. We read it in verse 24. Therefore, God gave them over in the sinful desires of their heart to sexual impurity. Very interesting. That as someone moves downward toward a depraved life, sexual immorality is a natural byproduct. I find it confirming that as you look back in history, as you look back in the history of the Bible, false gods, idolatry, pretty much always had connected with it sexual sin, sexual immorality. The gods that Israel would so often worship other than the God of Israel, the gods they would fall to worship, the gods of the nations, they ended up having temple prostitutes. Imagine going to a place to worship, and one of the ways that you would worship is to engage in a, an act with a temple prostitute. Sexual sin, sexual immorality. And then you got to hang with me for the fifth step, Romans chapter 1, verse 25. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie. Very interesting. At this point, the person has accepted their lifestyle. They are convinced, they have convinced themselves that it's okay. And by doing so, they are living a lie. Another verse you can write down, Proverbs chapter 30, 
Proverbs chapter 30 and verse 20. This is the way of an adulteress. She eats, she engages in adultery, and wipes her mouth and says, I've done nothing wrong. Listen up. That's the culture we live in. That's what's happening in America. So many times over the last few years, people that I have confronted about their sexual sin, they look at me like I'm an alien. They look at me like I'm from another planet. Like, are you really going to preach that kind of stuff? Yeah. There's such an acceptance of it today, exchanging the truth of God for a lie. How many is that? One, two, three, four, five. There are seven. Number six. Romans chapter 1, verse 26. Because of this, God gave them over to shameful lusts, lesbianism, homosexuality. Number six is sexual perversion. Perversion, it means the alteration of something from its original course, a distortion or corruption of what was first intended. Wow, we're seeing it. More and more and more in our culture in America. You see it now in commercials on TV quite regularly. Um, you see different things being advertised, whether it's an insurance company or whatever it is, and you see a girl with a girl and a guy with a guy, and it's just becoming more accepted. But it's a perversion. It's not just sexual immorality. It's sexual perversion. And we have people believing that that's the way God made them. That's not the way God made you. Sexual perversion. Well, what's number seven? Number seven? <laughs> that's that last section in Romans chapter 1 where verse 28, furthermore, since they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, he gave them over to a depraved mind, complete depravity. And then it's just a list of sin after sin after sin after sin after sin, all kind of different sins. To be depraved means to be morally corrupt. And the depraved mind does not confront, but rather approves of, other people living in depravity. That's what we read. Last verse, Romans chapter 1. Although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do these very things, but also approve of those who practice them. Listen, the more a culture moves downward toward depravity, the more challenging it becomes for the Christian, for the one standing for truth, walking in truth, the more challenging it is to live in a culture that's depraved because people think you're nuts. They think you're some old fogey, you know, living way in the past, you know, and we haven't gotten with the times. There's an acceptance of sin and immorality. So how do we close this out? Oh, thank God I don't have to close it out with a heavy negative. What a heavy positive. 
Fascinating way the Holy Spirit leads the Apostle Paul to lay out the first few chapters of the book of Romans. Because chapter 1 opens up with this wrath of God revealed from heaven against the godlessness and wickedness of men, and then he gives us this downward spiral toward depravity. Now, if you're a Jewish person of the culture reading what I've taught on tonight, you would have been going, yeah, those pagans, those Gentiles, those idolaters. But what he does after dealing with basically the Gentile picture of depravity, then he starts off chapter 2 and he says, you therefore have no excuse, you who pass judgment on somebody else. And he deals with the Jewish audience. And then as God's prosecuting attorney, he sums it all up in chapter 3, and he quotes verse after verse after verse, saying things like there's no one righteous, not even one, and he sums it up with this pretty famous Christian verse, Romans 3, 23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. In other words, the truth is, no matter how far down that path of depravity you are, you're born in depravity, conceived in your mother's womb, in sin, for all of sin. And for somebody who suppresses the truth, they go further. Futile thinking, darkened heart, beginning to worship created things rather than the creator, sexual immorality, living a lie, exchanging the truth of God for a lie. You keep going, you may end up in sexual perversion. And then, my goodness, problems in relationships and all the list of sins there in the last part of chapter 1. So what's the answer? Thank God in the same chapter, chapter 1, just before he goes into those Verses that give us the downward spiral toward depravity or of depravity. Verse 16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone, everyone who believes. What's the gospel? The death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus. It's the message of the cross, the message of the Savior. First for the Jew, then for the Gentile. For in the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith. By faith. You see, the answer to man's depravity is the cross. It's Jesus. And if someone will realize, look, I, I'm a sinner for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. Guess what? That's what the Father provided in Jesus, a Savior. And if you're willing to confess your depravity, your sin, and receive Jesus as Lord and Savior, there's forgiveness. There's righteousness by faith. And in the process, when you receive Jesus as Lord and Savior, God does a miraculous thing. And here's what he does. The Holy Spirit comes inside and he changes a person's heart. And when your heart is changed, your heart change affects your thinking. And now it's real important, and again, we'll get to it as we read the book of Romans. I mentioned it tonight, renewing your mind. Why? Because your heart has been changed. 
And now you want the Word of God. You want to hear the truth. You want to, as a Christian, when you start to go maybe the other direction, the old path, the old lifestyle, you want the Word of God because you want to get back on the right path. You want to go back down toward depravity? No. You want to go upward toward righteousness and holiness. And so made righteous by faith, miraculous thing happens. Holy Spirit comes inside, changes the heart, and now it's a daily challenge of the Word of God filling my life. Dono mentioned it earlier during the worship time. Saturating your life with the Word of God, thinking about things that are pure, that are lovely, etc. One of my favorite Bible commentators, I love him because he's really good, and I love him also because he does all the hard reading, and then he writes his commentary and, and takes all that knowledge from his reading, and he sums it up for us so you don't have to read your head off like he did. R. Kent Hughes. And R. Kent Hughes did what I think is a wonderful thing as he was teaching in Romans chapter 1 and the section I taught on tonight. And what he did as he meditated on these scriptures, he flipped everything around. He flipped it around to show what God wants to do for the person that believes the gospel, receives Christ as Lord and Savior, Holy Spirit comes in, new heart, and now you begin a new path, upward, not downward, and here it is. Thank you, R. Kent Hughes. Beginning in verse 24 of Romans chapter 1, the flip side of depravity. Therefore, God gave them over in their hearts to self-control and purity, that their bodies might be honored among men. For they kept and cherished the truth of God and worshiped and served the Creator who is blessed forever rather than the creature. Amen. For this reason, God gave them over to pure and wholesome lives, lived with carefree ease, even in the most intimate relations, so that all received in their own persons the due reward of their fidelity. And just as they saw fit to acknowledge God in all things, God gave them over to a sound mind, to do things which are proper, being filled with all righteousness, goodness, generosity, kindness, full of selflessness, life, healing, openness, kindliness. They are gentle in speech, always building others up, lovers of God, respectful, humble, self-effacing, inventors of good, obedient parents, understanding, trustworthy, loving, merciful. And as they know the ordinance of God, that those who practice such things are possessors of life, they do the same and give hearty approval to those who do likewise. Isn't that good? Romans has been called the Magna Carta of the Christian life and Christian doctrine. I agree with that. Summed up for all of sin and fall short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death, Romans 6, 23, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Hey.
Thanks for joining us today to study the books of the New Testament with Pastor Danny Hodges, right here on The Living Word. You can check out more of Pastor Danny's teachings through the Bible by going to our website, ccfstpete.church. Just look under the Resources tab and click on Teachings. We encourage you to subscribe to our YouTube channel as well to stay up to date on the latest teachings and videos. Feel free to share them with your friends and family. If you're in the St. Petersburg area, we'd love to meet you in person. Join us for our weekly church services at Calvary Chapel Fellowship. We meet on Saturdays at 6 p.m. and Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. We're also live streaming our services for those who are at home or live further away. We look forward to worshiping with you. Find out more on our website. Once more, that's ccfstpete.church. As Pastor Danny continues this series, New Testament Highlights, be reminded that all these books provide a glimpse into God's heart for every person. His word is like a lighthouse, showing the way for lost ships at sea. Each person is a lost ship, floundering in the dark waters until they see that beam of light that directs them back to land. Throughout scripture, Jesus is that beam of light, lighting the path to safety. Tune in next time to hear more from Pastor Danny as he teaches in the New Testament right here on The Living Word.